Plain and simple, climate change impacts our health, the economy, immigration, agriculture, you name it. We know climate change is something that we have to worry about. But maybe, if you're like me, sometimes it feels like the little things don't add up. How can someone like me actually make an impact? Where do we start? On this episode of Latinx, I speak to Thais Lopez Vogel, co-founder and trustee of Volo Foundation, a nonprofit with a mission to accelerate change and global impact by supporting science-based climate solutions, enhancing education, and improving health. Thais is a native of Caracas, Venezuela, and was named one of the 100 most influential Latinos committed to climate action in 2019 and 2020. Under her leadership, Volo Foundation has supported 93 projects in the United States and abroad, with 70% of them addressing climate change adaptation and mitigation, and 30% focused on health, education, and social support. In other words, to learn about how to get involved and make an impact, she's the perfect person to speak to. Hola, yo soy Andrea Marquez, and this is Latinx a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. We want to go beyond listening. We're ready to speak up. So join me in conversation every week as I meet Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. As you know, a podcast is a journey, and I would love for you to follow this one. So join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx and reach out. You can also find out more at our website at wearelatinx.com. I've read a little bit about the work that you've been doing and the years of work that you've been doing, more importantly. Um, you were named one of the 100 most influential Latinos committed to climate action in 2019 and 2020. So I'm excited to talk to you about the environment and what we can do and how we can save the world. I mean, I guess let's start from the beginning. Who are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I come from Venezuela. I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. A uh, long time ago, a long time before you were born. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, in, I graduated as an attorney. I lived in Venezuela for a little while after I graduated. I work at the petroleum company and then I moved to the States. Like in 2014, my husband and I, we were fortunate enough to have the foundation. And usually with the foundations, you, you think of the usual suspects, like I call them health and education. But my husband, David Vogel, he's a financial, very data-driven guy. He was graduated at MIT. So he looked at the data on climate. Uh, a friend of him told him to look at the data. And he realized this was the biggest threat that future generations are going to have. With that say, together we have six kids. So, of course, my, my motor is my kids and what I want is to uh, protect the future, so their, the quality of life for future generations, I want to say, because that's what's at stake. So we started in the foundation not focusing so much into health or education, but now we do 70% of our support is for climate and climate solutions, and then the other 30%, we still do health and education, and I feel like my logo is a circle because education, environment, and health are all tied in together. So I want people to understand that the environment is influencing the agriculture, the health, 
the economy. I mean, I can tell you in Florida, because we're based in Florida, after the Hurricane Irma, we had to pay $50 billion in recovery, and, and that comes out of our taxes. So sometimes people don't realize how much the economy and your pocket is being hit with every storm, and the storms are getting stronger because the water is getting hotter, and that makes it more devastating. So I know we're not going to stop the storms, but we can stop and adapt and stop the devastation and the force of these storms. The storms are going to keep coming, but we need to realize that uh, fossil fuel is creating this over layer of heat that is making them a lot stronger than they, they used to be, for example. On health, I mean, one out of 10 kids in Florida suffer from asthma and respiratory disease. And this is because of the pollution. One out of four in California. So, and, and you talk, it's a national security threat because even the military knows and they have documents that assess the climate change as an issue, as a big issue. Uh, immigration, uh, 14,000 uh, people changed their zip code from Bahamas to Florida after Hurricane Dorian. And then you have the wildfires in California. And then you have the droughts and the, and the, or the floods in, in Texas. So you, I mean, I think it's in front of us that is happening. Uh, when we started the foundation in 2014, I used to say, when climate change hit us, when and what is here, it's happening right now. So it's not a future issue anymore. Guys, that's, I mean, that's a lot of information and very important information that you went through. One of the primary ones that came to mind, and this is from a personal experience, is I've had conversations with older generations where they say, we can worry all you want about the environment, but we have to worry about the people that are living in the world, in this plan, on the planet first, which mm -hmm. means we have to tackle healthcare, we have to tackle immigration and, I don't know, different policy reforms. And I think about it and I say, yes. Whereas there are a lot of issues that we do have to tackle. Isn't the environment, if there is no planet, then what is the use of worrying? It's like a chicken and an egg problem. And I can never fully, um, what is it, debate or justify or argument why we should be worrying about the climate. And you hit on a very important point, which is climate change affects everything, mm -hmm. right? So what's at the root of the problem, though? Like for future generations, what are we supposed to be focusing on? to be able to tackle this gigantic monster that is already way ahead of us. And I understand how you feel, because when I started learning like you were, I just knew the basic concepts. And when you, when you go deeper and deeper, you feel like it's a monster. Is the sea level rise? Is the ice uh, melting in the Arctic? Is the pollution? Is is, is like an octopus, I say, and it has more than eight uh, arms. So it feels overwhelming, and I think that's why people shut off, and they say, okay, this is too big for us to do something, and that's exactly what you shouldn't do. I mean, Volo Foundation is here. We're a private foundation. We don't raise money or anything. We're only here to make you aware that there is a problem that we know exists, that we know what's causing it, and we know what the solutions are. So we have it all. So don't panic, don't stress, 
we know, I mean, remember years ago, you may not remember, you may not even be, uh, you weren't even born, but we had a hole in the ozone and people were worrying about it and we fixed it. We fixed it because we have innovators like you, because we have new people like you, because we have scientists and we have technology. And when you listen to the science and when you align the compassion and the love and the data and the facts with all the people that are emerging, superstars, young people that have technology inventions, we can solve the problem. We already have, we have what's called Climate Correction Conference. We started three years ago and we do it, it used to be at UCF in Orlando until COVID came, but we only focus in the solutions. And when you think about everything that's out there from a satellite that EDF has out there in the space and it can pinpoint exactly where the leaks of methanes are to uh, agriculture that can capture the carbon from the atmosphere and put it back in the in the earth. I mean, we have amounts and amounts of crazy things that we can put in action, but the government has to come and we have to have a climate policy. And when we have a climate policy and we have we start acting on it is when we're going to be able to to have the solutions. I mean, when you have 192 countries that sign an agreement, the Paris Accord, I mean, you have a, for the first time ever, like almost every country signed the agreement is because we have a global problem. And it's funny because on the year of the COVID, I always say COVID, it was just like a rehearsal of what's coming. And we know what happened when you don't listen to science. Have we listened to science early enough? I think we would have avoided a lot of death. And what climate change is telling us, scientists know it exists, they know that it's hitting us, and we know the solution. So we just have to listen to the science. And as bad as COVID was, I always say, I, I like to see the, the cup half full and not half empty. And I say we learn a lot of things. We learn to now uh, be more in touch with nature. We use the bikes a lot more. We, we, we experience what's, very, what's important in life, the priorities, your family to be in touch. And three factors amazing that we're together this time in order to, right now, I guess, is the production of the of the vaccine is that global governments, scientists and the private sector work together for the first time ever. And that is a great, those three are a great solution for climate change, for adaptation, for mitigation. So don't worry, the future, we got this. <laughs> as long as we, Talk about it. Talk about climate change like any other topic. Talk, talk like in the news, economy is in the first one, and the market is up and the market is down. We should have climate change just as in the first page of every paper because it's happening. It's just for some reason it, it became politicized. I always say it's, it's not red, it's not blue, it's green and it's gonna affect us all. So you don't have to be partisan about this. The solutions have to come bipartisan. As a matter of fact, the last uh, law or kind of law that we tried to pass 
was the carbon dividend. And this is the right now the 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 people the people or the industry that is making the most emissions are not paying for it. So they are causing the pollution, but they don't pay for it. So the carbon dividend is you have to pay for what you're making. Obviously, this is gonna make make them not emit as much or try to get the energy from an energy a lot cheaper, which is the green energy or the clean energy, like we call it. And at the same time, we're gonna be making the transition to renewables, which, I mean, the Mother Earth is amazing. The windmills, the solar panels, the we, we have this, we just have to add. Thais has talked about a lot of important topics, and I thought I would give you a crash course on some of the vocabulary, like fossil fuels. Do you know what fossil fuels are? Even if you do, or did, back in high school, let me give you a quick reminder, without going too deep. Fossil fuels were given their names because they refer to compound mixtures made of fossilized plant and animal remnants from millions of years ago. They include coal, crude oil, and natural gas, which are accessed through mining, drilling, and, well, burning dirty energy. And this harms the environment, and as Thais mentioned, our health. That's why many people and organizations, such as the Volo Foundation, are seeking to motivate larger corporations, the government, and everyone else to embrace clean energy. This is so important that the Paris Agreement was adopted in 2015 and signed by 196 countries with the goal of limiting global warming. Though this has been largely politicized, since the Paris Agreement, there have already been technological advances that make renewable energy more attainable, as well as other solutions. Major companies have pledged emission reductions. Even financial institutions have begun to see funding fossil fuels as a bad investment. And if you Google it, you can find a lot more positive news. As of right now, the U.S. is the only country not part of the agreement. But President-elect Joe Biden has promised to rejoin the agreement on his first day in office as President of the United States. These, uh, these last elections, a lot of climate voting decided a lot of the regions that we wanted because you guys are more aware of what, in my time, we didn't know. And as a matter of fact, I always say I have a daughter, I have six, but my oldest one is 23. And she was the one when she was seven one day on a on a Fourth of July, when everybody had the fireworks, she was crying in a corner, telling me that the polar bears were gonna die. And I was like, "What is this?" She was the one that made me change all the bulbs in my house for the spiral ones. So, in some, you guys, the, or your kids, teach us so much that you don't understand. And, and that's when I started realizing. Yeah, we, they didn't teach us that, but now you have something. There is no future without environmental education, and you guys got it. We didn't. My fear, for example, that now I'm I'm living through my career, I'm I'm a, prof a young professional, and I'm thinking, okay, you talk about all these things, and you're telling me, okay, don't worry, but what can one person like me do? How do I even begin to take those small steps that could actually make a difference? Well, the thing is, you go back to education, and it's funny because I always tell my kids, don't do as I do, do as I say, because your example 
is what's going to have your kids do the recycle. I still have to read on the bins on the recycle what goes where because it wasn't natural. But if this is something that we teach our kids from day one, it's going to be like walking because you learn it since you were little. So to you, it's going to it's going to feel like you're not doing much because it's just me. But if you and you and you and you everywhere do it and don't get me wrong, whatever you're doing is small in a scale. The most important thing to do is to talk, to vote, and to because you start talking about it as a normal thing in your dinner table, for example, and then that goes to your neighborhood, and then it grows to your PTA or 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 any kind of organization that you feel, and it grows as a nation, and it grows as a country, and it grows as a global issue. So talking about it as a normal thing, of course, recycling your house, eat less meat because it's not good for the world, but it's not good for your health. So I don't say cut totally the meat, but eat less meat. And little things that you can do, those are the things. But the big ones is talk about it, use your vote. When we talk, there are consequences with it. And you'll be surprised how many people listen and see what you're doing as an example. Why is it that um, Latinos are particularly impact by, impacted by climate change? I think it's a social justice, social equity, it goes here. And I'll give you an easy example, again in Florida because I'm here. So a hurricane is coming. NOAA, which is the organization that tells you where the hurricane is coming. By the way, for the people that say that NOAA does, the climate change doesn't exist, well, they listen to Noah, who tells them the hurricane is coming here, and they grab their cars and they start driving towards North Carolina or inland because they don't want to be close. They do believe when they tell them that, but they don't believe when they tell them climate change is real. So it's very uh, hypocritical when they decide to listen to some but not the other ones. But the people with low-income families, uh, Latinos, they don't have the luxury first Sometimes they don't have a car to get away from the hurricane. Second, they don't have the means to buy a month of supplies in their house because they live paycheck by paycheck, okay? Then if, if we're talking about health and we're talking about the, the air pollution, for example, which we know that in the last four years, because the more of 100 rollbacks on the protections that we had on the clean air, the American Lung Association just said that we went backwards on the quality of, of, of air. So in that case, they don't have the access to the clinics or to the hospitals to be treated for asthma or anything like that. They don't eat rice, so their immune system is not as strong as the white people or someone that can have the luxury of eating rice, of having the vitamins and stuff. So unfortunately, climate change is also a social justice issue that we have to address just like that. A while ago, Ariel, our wonderful producer, gave me this great idea to call this segment La Esquinita, The Corner. So here are some of our random thoughts of the week. What have you been watching right now? Do you watch Christmas movies? Are you like me? Like, like Hallmarky? So I like watching Christmas movies, but I like watching Christmas movies like the week of Christmas. Uh, mm. Maybe one during the weekends or not, but <laughs> I've been watching food documentaries. 
I just finished watching um, Street Food Latin America, which was, oh my God, Andrea, you have to watch it. It's so many good things. Wow. And I'm Do you watching... get hungry as you're watching it? Or yes. You're like, mm, I'm going to pause this and get up and get a bag of chips. Is that... It makes me it makes me want to buy a ticket, an airplane ticket, and go to the places where they're showing this food, this amazing food. Like they go everywhere. They go to Argentina, they go to Ecuador, Mexico, Brazil, and and not only that, but I mean the food is amazing. It's delicious, but also the storytelling behind how they did this mm. docu series is really good. So I saw that, and I've been watching <laughs> the Taco Chronicles. Hilary, the what? The Taco Chronicles. Taco. Taco, the Taco Chronicles, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. So you're into food, Ariel. Well, everyone's into food. Everyone, I feel like everyone's okay. into food. But it's a good thing, you know. It's it's a good thing to have. I unfortunately, as we established with my with the Spotify wrap up, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have watched almost all of the Christmas movies on Netflix. Oh. Almost all of them. I am not even exaggerating. I watched from like the really obscure bad ones that like, why would you even watch this? Right. To the more popular ones oh, that are like in the top. I saw one that was pretty good though. I, I did see a Christmas movie over Thanksgiving. It, it's the one of the guy that's, uh, he's an inventor. And he invented Jingle toys. Jangle. Jingle Jangle. Jingle Jangle yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. That was a that was a fun one to watch. That was a fun one to watch. That one was interesting. It was my parents and I. I'm the only like musical nerd that I love watching musicals, and they both fell asleep watching it. And they don't fall asleep watching movies. That's not a thing that happens. They fell asleep during the movie, halfway through it, and then they woke up to keep watching it. I felt so bad, but at the same time, I was like, meh. Um, but that's like a fun movie, like. It for, was. For some reason, have you noticed like there is a theme to these Christmas movies? Um, they're all always based in a little small town in like Victorian <laughs> England. Yes. Why? Yes. I love watching those movies and I love that they're set in these little fictional towns because they make me feel safe. <laughs> and like I should have my little hot chocolate and like I know what's going to happen so there are no surprises. Even my dad, who dislikes rom-coms and all of those things, he started to like them because, one, there's not a lot to watch anymore, like, new, of the newer things. And, two, because we're, like, obsessed with, like, if it's December, almost everything we try watching it's like is Christmas-related. Okay, so top five Christmas movies. You saw, you said that, you just said that you watched the whole repertoire <laughs> on Netflix. It shouldn't be that hard. Home Alone is obviously like Home it brings Alone. me back. Home Alone, obviously. I watched The Grinch various times, okay. the newer one and the older one. The Jim Carrey one or the Carrey animated one? And then like one? the animated one, I watched both of them. Okay. Uh, obviously, I prefer the Jim Carrey one. Okay. I used to love watching the TBS Christmas specials that they would just play the same movie throughout yeah. the whole week. So, one of my favorite ones was A Christmas Story. Mm. I love that movie. Um, Home Alone, absolutely. The Grinch, absolutely. What are you watching this Christmas season? Are you going through everything, no matter how good or bad it is, like me? Or are you being more selective, like Ariel? I'm definitely more selective. <laughs> I just can't watch anything now. <laughs> 
So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you were named one of the uh, 100 most influential Latinos committed to climate action in last year and this year as well. What does this title mean to you? What is the responsibility behind it? It's a lot of responsibility <laughs> behind it. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> and I, I, I said when when you do things like advocacy for the for the climate, you're not looking for fame, but when all of a sudden fame comes to you, then you feel like, uh oh, this is important. You have to keep I feel like I have to keep doing it and I have to, and, and believe me, when I told you an aerial, I don't like cameras, I don't know how to do this, I really mean it because I'm not, I, I, I'm, I, I'm really out there. <laughs> like I, I don't follow rules, I'm not very, so move the camera, I'm like, ah, whatever. So that that's always my, my way of being. So now I have to watch what I say, do the right thing. And I, I like to be anonymous more than in the cameras. But at the same time, when I tell my people, because it's not not only me, I have a team that works with me and we have scientists and we have my communication director and we have Instagram, Facebook, all the, by the way, you can follow and find a lot of tips that you can learn from, from all the platforms that we have out there. But I always tell them, why don't you go on the interview and why don't you talk? And they're like, you have so much passion when you do it. And I'm like, well, first of all, they don't have the six kids that I have. So they don't, it's like, you know how mothers like a lion when they're battling for their cubs? That's how I feel when anybody tries to tell me that climate change is not happening or it's not important. It's like, are you kidding me? It's my kids and the kids of my kids. So I feel like those people that tell you, oh, well, economy is more important or health is more important. Well, you know what? If you have no good air and you don't have health, you're not going to enjoy the economy and the, all the money that you want to enjoy because you're going to die. And the planet is going to survive. I always say it's not that, oh, we have to save the planet. No, the planet can survive two, three degrees more. It's the quality of life for you guys because for every degree that goes higher is what you're seeing, more storms and more severity on the changes and the patterns change for everybody. So it is the quality of life, definitely. And that's what I'm fighting for. And that's why I raise my, my voice. And that's why I'm in front of the camera with the light and the micro microphone. And I don't like it, but I have to. <laughs> I feel like like. I tell my daughter, not the 23, the 21 now, she's like, I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what I want to do. And I say, you don't have to find it yet. You're too young. I found my passion past 40 and it was climate. And now I, I understand what it is to work, to go to work and feel like I love it. Right. I don't want to get out of here. It's not easy. And you guys are running too fast, too soon. You have your life ahead of you to find your real passion. But once you find it, it's so easy to convey it out there and to share it and to, to I don't know, to make you understand easily what carbon footprint is and why you should care and how easy it is to talk about what's happening in front of you and, and, and make it understand and make others understand that you and the, your life and how you're gonna live it and 
we need government and there are every time there is a law that you have to vote on it doesn't have to be just the presidential elections but any government and mayors and all those elections you guys have to participate because you are deciding and you are deciding on those little policies that are gonna change the future where you are gonna live for those of you who don't know this ariel is always present during the interviews he makes sure everything is running smoothly and sometimes he has questions of his own. Uh, no, so what I wanted to ask you, it's when I was in college, we studied this phenomenon that was happening that, that's called climate gentrification. And the way that we understood climate gentrification was that in major cities like Miami, uh, cities that have developed all along the coast close to the sea, you know, these really high uh, and really pricey real estate it's now getting flooded because of sea level rise. So now the communities that are far away from these, uh, such as, you know, like downtown or whatever you might call it, that happen to be at a higher elevation than the ones that are closest to the sea are being bought out. These communities are being bought out by developers and they're developing their, you know, really expensive living now, really high rise buildings and all of that. Therefore, you know, bringing the, Bring, bringing the standard of living of these communities higher and people cannot afford it. So they're having to move out of the community that they have built, communities, and, and in Miami, I'm talking about communities like Little Haiti, um, like Opaloka, communities that have culture, that have, they have built a fabric w within each other, you know, and, and there is rich cultural significance in these um, areas. But now there are risks. There are risks of developers. There are risks of people that are coming in with money to live in these communities just because it's higher elevation and they don't have to deal with the issue of flood now. So for us millennials that, you know, we like to sit down and we like to complain about things and we like to say, like, what can we do? So what can we do? What are the options for these people? And what are our options to help educate? You know, like we were talking about earlier about education, environmental education, and how communities such as this in Miami or the Latino community that are get um, impacted more. So what, what, what options are there? What can we do? And what are you guys doing to, you know, educate these people and give them the tools to fight this, what's happening now? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was just going to mention that one and because I know we support an organization in Miami called the Clio Organization, the Clio Institute. So the Clio Institute, those are my babies. So we support them and we did a beautiful campaign with them in Miami, but that's another topic. But for what you were talking about, they go into little, this, uh, for people that don't know Miami, these are places that are in high rise. So they're not in, in, in any danger of uh, the, uh, the sea level rises, but people now wanna buy them out of there because that's going to be the, the area that's not going to be as affected as the ones that are in front of the beach, obviously. So what Clio does is they go in there and they make them, uh, educate them. Ed, ed, Clio, what they do is educate all those people and how they can fight for their, their land or how even if you want to sell, don't sell for such a low price because, of course, they're going to uh, lowball you for what it is right now, but in a future not too far is going to be a high. So I think organizations like the Clio Institute and many other uh, grassroots organizations are there to help all these people. I mean, you will be surprised. And it's, 
it, it makes you feel good how many organizations are out there that not only are, are focused on climate, but they're focused on health and they're focused on, on other issues that can help not only the Latino community, but any other low-income communities or any other ethnicity that is out there. Just look around because they do exist and there is a lot of help out there. Like the Clio Institute, which is dedicated to climate crisis education and advocacy, there are other organizations you can learn about with similar goals, like the Natural Resources Defense Council, the Environmental Defense Fund, and the Nature Conservancy. Links to their websites can be found in the show notes of this episode on our website at wearelatinigeese.com. Or, for more information, you can visit the Volo Foundation website or their social media any of the Instagram is for you guys to learn the little tips, just like how much um, carbon footprints in, in every ride to your house or how much the waste is, is costing the, the, the climate, like when we waste food or we waste our clothing. And now that we're in Christmas, just that, uh, just buying for buying. Thanksgiving, I think we posted something about all the wrapping paper and all those uh, away. So it's little things that you'd be surprised. You just read it. It takes five seconds and you're like, hmm, maybe I can do something. So it's good to follow us and don't be, don't be alarmed. Uh, just treat it as any issue uh, because we can tackle this and we are going to do it. Don't worry. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> So guys, as I always say, make sure to support your communities. It doesn't matter what you choose to advocate for, just go out there and help. Connect and inspire others to do the same. Thank you for listening and supporting Latinikis. We've loved seeing the growth and engagement on our platforms. Remember to check out additional information about this episode in the description. Lastly, support us by downloading our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can stay up to date. And join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinikis. Reach out and let me know what's important to you. I'd love to hear what you have to say. <laughs>